0: Welcome to Dad Rocks, a podcast for dads who love music, made by dads who love music. Hello, and welcome to Dad Rocks, the podcast about being a dad and loving music and how the two intersect in our lives. I'm your host, Josh, and today my guest is musician Marco Benevento. Marco has been on the scene for more than 25 years, recording as a solo artist and also with the jam band Benevento Russo Duo, the Grateful Dead quasi-tribute band Joe Russo's Almost Dead, and the R&B Afrobeat hip-hop group L. Michaels Affair. He's really one of the most well-respected keyboardists in the jam scene, I would say, for the last quarter century or so. He's also the co-founder of the record label Royal Potato Family and the founder of the Follow the Arrow Music Festival, which happens annually at Arrowwood Farms up in the Catskills. But most importantly, at least for this show, he's the father to two daughters, who you'll hear about shortly. Now, before we get into my conversation with Marco, I just wanted to say that, you know, I have uh, been, I would say, since I was a teenager, on the outskirts of um, the jam scene. I've been into uh, a handful of bands that uh, are, you know, full-blown jam bands, but never, you know, super part of the jam scene. And the Benevento-Russo duo has always been one of the groups that were kind of like a band I heard of but never listened to. And uh, I talked to Marco a little bit before we recorded and, you know, mentioned how I really didn't dig into his music until, you know, we set up this interview. And I have to say that I was um, upset at myself for not listening to anything that he had put out before. And I'm so happy that I did have this conversation with him because... He really is uh, an amazing musician who has played with so many great other musicians and so many great ensembles. You know, he wasn't really on my radar at all to put on the show. um, But one of my colleagues at the uh, school that I work at is actually his cousin. And he uh, we were talking about music and he mentioned that Marco was his cousin and he set the whole thing up. So I want to thank Ed. If you're listening, thank you so much for helping me set up this conversation um, because it was Fantastic. Um, You know, I say that a lot about all my conversations and they're pretty fantastic, you know, overall. But this one was was really fun to have, you know, really talking to someone who I didn't know much about and learned so much about and now have so much respect for and really enjoy listening to. And I hope you come away with uh, an interest in his music as well. And I hope you do enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Marco Benevento. Marco, welcome to Dad Rocks.
1: Yo, what's happening? Uh, (laughs) I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. How was your holiday season? I know it was a bit busy, but how was it overall? You know, we did the Seven Fishes up here in Woodstock. Uh, I did a bunch of Christmas shows. Um, I played at Levon Helm's barn for two nights with a crazy cast of characters, Martha uh, Wainwright, Natalie Merchant, Galen mm-hmm. Dorsey, um, Amy Helm, uh, all, uh, just a wide variety of Woodstock characters and just national uh, touring, uh, amazing artists and musicians. And uh, yeah, you know, did that, did, um, I also had a crazy show uh, at the Carlisle Hotel with uh mark ronson and cat power and wow licky lee and or likey lee i don't even know how you say her name she's <laughs> she's cool uh you know this december that holidays everything if if i could write down you know the amount of incredible musicians i've played with it, people would be like what you play with those people, you know, not to mention, of course, all my friends who, you know, like Joe Russo, Dave Drywitz, um, you know, Scott Metzger, Tom Hamilton, uh, yeah. Karina Reichman, uh, all the musicians I just see all the time. But there's just it's just been a crazy December for me. So I I made it through <laughs> and uh, and I'm just I'm chilling now, um, nice. which is great. Yeah, I, I yeah. love the winter months up here upstate.
0: Now you mentioned the shows at Levon Helm's uh, studios. That's a a considered a family like holiday show, right? You get you get people from your family to come up and play, or is that just uh, is that different?
1: Uh, Elizabeth Mitchell and and a bunch of other folks have this sort of tradition we've been doing in the last ten years of playing at Levon's and doing a Christmas show, and we've had guests like Ronnie Spector mm-hmm. and. Um, you know the the band Low. They've guested mm-hmm. with us. Um, uh, Lola Kirk most recently uh, was with us, and uh, you know all sorts of folks. It's just a it's a crazy sometimes two night event. You know weekend mm-hmm. at Levon's, and it's a Christmas show. It's just a benefit for um, oh geez, I forget. Anyway, <laughs> t- uh, uh, the Washburn House is what it is, and uh, but you know. Anyway, it's just a in December towards the end of the month, it's an incredible, cool that Christmas show that happens at Levon's with literally like forty to fifty guests and uh and forty to fifty songs. It's like yeah. a, it's like the last waltz of a Christmas show. It's a <laughs> four awesome. hour you know, and it's oh, great. Wow. And, you know, and it's it's a it's a long show and it's so much fun and um you know it's uh three miles from my house from where I live do
0: you, do you guys take set breaks or do you go straight through?
1: No, we do like you know you know we have a we have a little break yes okay <laughs> Cause
0: i've I've played four hour you know parties before, and um we definitely you definitely need a break, but there's also been times that I've played like a two and a half hour set and Still feel good to keep going. So, you know. Right, all right. Oh, yeah, I hear you. Those <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're all, so, you know, speaking of Levon Helm Studios, you're about to release a new live album, I think sometime uh, in April, right? Um, that was recorded at the studios. Is that like kind of uh, your, your home base, you know, more or less? Um, yeah, or... I mean,
1: you know, I live here in Woodstock and, you know, my local awesome, <laughs> my local venue is Lee on helm studios, which is crazy to say, because yeah. it's, it, I feel like it should be a museum or, uh, like it, it should be almost treated like a, like a Ryman auditorium of, yeah. of Woodstock. Like it's, there's, it's, there's such a vibe in this little, you know, 250 person barn. Uh, but meanwhile, touring artists and, you know, um, you know, I, I played with, like, Jackson Brown there. Like he, oh, wow. like, he he comes through there. You know, like, there's our Lesh. I played with Phil Lesch there. I played yeah. with Levon there before he passed oh, wow. away. Um, uh, and recorded with Amy there. And it, it's just like this, when you get there, you're like, oh, right. Music can be like, a show can be like this, right? You, you park mm-hmm. over there. If you want to have a drink, you, you bring a drink. You can have it out there. And then you, you could you come in come into the barn, and see the show maybe around ten thirty or 11 you could you leave you know and you're in the woods yeah. and there's no one around and it's yeah. there's a fire going and you know it's just like it's such a whole nother experience over there uh so yeah that's uh that's that's my local uh you know record release uh venue <laughs> or you know which is amazing so yeah we're doing a two night uh two night run there in march actually actually before oh, nice. april um, and we have a live record that's coming out from our, uh, show we did basically a year ago, um, there and it's out this year. So, uh, it awesome. was just too, too good of a night to, um, to not share with everybody. So, yeah. uh, yeah,
0: I say, I, I always kick myself cause you know, I live two hours away, but I haven't made it up there yet. And I remember being you know, finding out about it kind of late, and I was out in Kansas during grad school when Levon, you know, before he passed away, was playing, you know, doing his midnight rambles and stuff again, and I just always wanted to kind of get up there. Oh, uh, man, you got to come
1: up. Come up in March when we do our gigs.
0: Maybe I will. If I can get, you know, if I can, if my, my wife doesn't mind me driving up and she can watch the kids, I'll, I'll come up. Yeah, uh, come up with Eddie, enjoy. man. Come up yeah, with Cousin Eddie.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. Um <laughs> You know, the other day, speaking of Woodstock, I saw you uh, post um, or or repost a a reel from another podcast on Instagram um, with you and your wife talking about why you moved your family to Woodstock. Mm -hmm. So where were you before? And um, can you go over the reasons, you know, for our listeners, why you made the move to Woodstock?
1: Yeah, I mean, for for all the obvious reasons that you would kind of imagine any musician living in a city you know w- would do like i and after having kids and collecting instruments and trying to survive in a little small apartment mm-hmm. yeah you're gonna need more space so um so are you in brooklyn or were you uh, yes uh, we, we were in brooklyn and okay. um uh, prospect heights and uh and we had a beautiful apartment we had we had ruby kid number one and then we had kid number two we had isla and the four of us i guess at that point uh you know after being surrounded by keyboards and (laughs) and uh, computers and microphones and drums and just all drum machines and and all sorts of stuff that i've been gathering i mean you know you just you can't and even and then if you get a rehearsal space you can't even afford a rehearsal space living in the city is crazy if you need space and uh as a musician keyboard player uh everything studio you know nerd who just has all this stuff and also you know uh, i have a van because you have to get on the road and drive a van like (laughs) having a van or even a trailer sometimes in the city it's just so difficult it's so hard (laughs) and expensive uh if you do do that and like and then risky you know people just like break into the Mm-hmm. car you know break it smash your window and take whatever or take your everything yeah um you know so we wanted space we wanted to have a driveway where we could pull the van into and uh a mailbox you know so we and, and some space to live in so yeah i feel like a natural uh, move for a lot of musicians from brooklyn is like you know beacon new paltz woodstock sort of mm-hmm. upstate I, I, it seems to be a a tradition or a, a, maybe there's a vortex or a bit of a lure, I don't know, maybe the whole, the band thing and Bob <laughs> Dylan thing and every, everything, even just Mountain Jam, the festival that's been going on yeah. up here and just, you know, Bearsville Theater, There, there's a vibe up here, you know, for musicians. Uh, so yeah, we were looking upstate and we, we wound up up here and, uh, in Woodstock and, and we love it still to this day. We're like, oh, I can't believe you live here. This is so great and we've been here for over i think 12 years or 13 years at this point um so you know yeah brooklyn to to upstate um and yeah at this point we're we've been upstate basically as long as we've been in brooklyn it's kind of crazy or a little longer and uh yeah it feels great um been meeting a lot of musicians and playing a bunch of gigs and Doing all sorts of crazy stuff, yeah.
0: That's awesome. And I, 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 you know, you grew up in you know suburban northern New Jersey. There was no urge to move back to the Jersey burbs at all.
1: Not really. I, it, and uh, it was, you know, my cousin lives there, and um, my aunt lives there. Um, but I think, I guess, I think, it, no, no, there was no, there was no uh, desire to, to go back there. Not to say that you know it was a weird experience being there. Actually, it was kind of the best growing up in the, in the burbs, yeah. you know, uh, and having you know cousin Eddie and Mikey and you know and and, and big guy and Tony and Jamie and like everybody, <laughs> Uncle Frank and uh, Uncle Mike. Like we were all basically in the same. We all lived in Whitecough Yeah. And we all lived, or Franklin Lakes and Wyckoff, we were just right there. So to go to all hang out, it was so easy. It was just we can go, you know, play basketball at Eisenhower, we can go play stickball at, you know, Sycamac, or we could do a soccer mm-hmm. practice at wherever. And we were all really close. And, and in a way i i almost missed that for my kids that i'm growing letting you know then grow up upstate which is mm-hmm. much more vast compared to what i was just describing of yeah you know soccer practice here basketball here da, da, wall yeah. ball stick ball yeah. <laughs> you know we're all like in the same twenty ten 10 to 20 minute drive yeah. you know upstate you're like oh man you want to go to whose house that's like 40 <laughs> minutes that's 40 minutes away you know yeah uh, so uh, I did love growing up in in the, in the burbs and the, and the sports, the sports were cool. And like the music was great as well. Um, very competitive and very engaging. Like, you know, get picked up by your mom, you know, and like having to you get changed in your baseball outfit on the way to, you know, baseball practice. <laughs> you're just so busy that there's no time for anything. Yeah. Well, but um, I, I
0: was, cause I was going to ask, you brought it up, like, you know, is there anything that you feel like your daughters are going to miss out on or have missed out on, you know, living in Woodstock or, you know, is, do you feel like those potential, you know, missed opportunities or experiences um, are outweighed by the, the positives of living up in, you know, in, in the Catskills?
1: I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying. You know, it's, it's like apples and oranges. Right. I feel, right. I feel like it's just two different things. You know, um, I think if, you know, Ruby was here, our oldest daughter, I would, she would say, yes, you know, I can't, <laughs> I can't just walk to my friend's house or I can't just like get an Uber to, you know, like it's everything's so far away. Um, you know, but then I feel like, you know, growing up, you know, in a more a congested area in the, in the suburbs or closer to the city, um, you might have the feeling of like, Oh, I just wish I could like go outside and have a fire and like walk down to the pond and like not hear anything, you know? Um, so, you know, I feel like it's, it's different things, but, um, uh, I, I do feel like, um, it's, you know, it's, it's cool to do it different, you know, different than, than the way my, my parents did it with us and aunts and uncles did it with my cousins. Like we're, we're trying another thing, you know, we're going to go upstate and raise them with you know some more space. And if I could tilt the screen a little more, like (laughs) a a bunch more instruments (laughs) and, uh, you know, ways to maybe record or practice with a band if you wanted to. And our kids are very much into music and, you know, I think they, um, I think they're, you know, they're, they're, they're Catskill kids at this point, you know, they're getting into it. Uh, our oldest daughter, Ruby is, is getting into, you know, driving and has her permit. So that'll change everything, um, <laughs> yeah. really, you know, like,
0: but do you feel like you're more connected living, you know, as a family having, you know, living up in, you know, having lived in, in Woodstock now for 12 years, and maybe you would have, you know, being either in the city or, you know, in the suburbs.
1: Yeah. I feel like it's nice to have a, a huge nest. Like we have, we compared to a lot of folks out there, like our nest is eight acres big. Oh wow. You know, like we, we, it's crazy to look out and be like, that's my tree. And that's, <laughs> that's also my tree. And that's, yeah. that's my pond. No one can mess with that. You know, that's my, that's my garage um you know we we have a lot of space here and um and i feel like i feel like that's that really that really helps
0: and your oldest daughter sing back up on uh, your last album, Benevento. Um, and so, I, I mean, obviously music has always been central to your family, but like do your daughters play instruments? Do they, are they you know, does your what, your oldest daughter just sing? Like how involved are they? Are they playing in their own
1: bands yet? Oh, um, there's the there's a rock academy that goes on up here. So okay. uh, they both do that. Um, um, yeah. And they're, you know, the Benevento family band is a thing. Katie, my wife loves to to sing and, uh, my cousins love to play guitar and play bass. And we were, you know, we're trying to get the Benevento family band, you know, rocking, writing music and <laughs> playing shows and stuff. But, you know, yeah, it's like, uh, there, uh, there's also, yeah, there's a good music community up here. There's, uh, there's uh you know all the plays at school are are pretty involved and um you know it's like it's a very uh musical environment up here so there's there's like uh um, isla our youngest daughter was like dad i want to go see my friends uh, rock academy show tomorrow <laughs> and i was like whoa that's awesome like you want to like go see your friends and and you know support them in their show like that's great like there's all these little shows going on up here that's awesome parents figuring out how to get kids to rock academy or uh, the 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 school uh, play or you know uh, amanda palmer has a a venue up here and she's doing small little events up here and there's levon has uh you know his spot with amy helm and her kids love to do music too and there's like it's it's just a really the environment up here is kind of crazy to the point where you're like I bet like when these kids get older they're gonna be like whoa like <laughs> we grew up like in a really amazing sort of part of part of the of the world and well, uh I of mean the country, what stock is you know? that like
0: you know I, I've, yeah. I've been there it's 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 an arts community. It's, it's a great little arts community. I mean, and music is definitely central to that and it's a very unique experience. And I know I probably would have loved it, you know, growing up in, you know, in that, in that kind of spot. Um, you know, not to say that, you know, living in suburban New Jersey doesn't have, you know, that kind of, uh, music, uh, community, but yeah, you know, it's, it definitely seems like that, you know, with so many artists around, that they're pushing, you know, when their next generation is, you know, they wanna support that and, and push the arts. And, and, and it's great to have, especially when a lot of communities are cutting out the arts and cutting out music and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, up here, it's 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 like the opposite, which is kind of amazing. Uh, because I feel like for, for our kids, it's the norm, which is mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous. Like, I woke up today, to our youngest daughter, uh, Isla, practicing piano. It was like seven. I remember seven oh eight a.m. <laughs> wow! And and she was like playing like a Charlie Parker song, Holy Bl- "Blues for Alice," which is not an easy song no, <laughs> at it's all. Not. <laughs> it's basically every chord you can think of in one song. Uh, that's basically a blues, but there's all these substitutions and crazy things, and and she's practicing at all and she's in eighth grade and I wow and I, i'm I'm helping her out and I was like you know i i didn't even see this song or hear about the song until I was um uh you know 19 yeah. and I'm like and you're 14. <laughs> like <laughs> she's like oh she kind of looked at me like oh okay I was like so don't worry you're gonna get all this it just this is really difficult right now, but it's really hard. But you're gonna get it. Just learn, um, you know. An anyway, entertainer or something. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> right, you, you got it. But she's she's doing it really well. But yeah, there's it, the 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 level uh, of music, musicianship and sort of that that com, that it's not even competitive. But like seeing the your peers yeah. play so well, you know, especially up here, you're like, wow, that well, oh, those people could sing like actually healthy whoa, competition. You know? it's like, yeah.
0: you know, you support each other and like yeah. you see what other people are doing. And if you're into it, it's like, I want to do that. How do I get to that yeah. point? So I got to push, you know, myself,
1: I, right? I, I would say though, just sort of relating that to the, to the, the, the burbs, you know, yeah. in Jersey. Cause I do, I do love both. You know, I did all the battle of the bands and mm-hmm. all the, the, all that stuff, you know, and I was also inspired by all that, like hearing, I remember there was a band called Centipede, like, way back <laughs> in the day. Uh, that, right? And Lady Rain, Joe Russo's band, and he has Back in the Day. And it was Detour, I think there was a band before. <laughs> it was like, you know, there were all these, like, bands that you would hear that are you're you know, same age, and you're just like, oh, man, I want to do that, too, you know? So it, it's everywhere, whether it's upstate or in, in the yeah. burbs, but... Um, but uh yeah, something about up here it's like an, an abundance of that you know
0: yeah. are are your both your daughters into jazz
1: yeah, or uh, oddly enough uh yeah actually R- <laughs> Ruby likes Chet Baker a lot and uh nice. is interested in learning all these little piano intros and solos of of all those ballads you know that he's singing, and Isla, just by way of uh. Woodstock ensemble is learning about jazz yeah
0: oh, nice. what else are they into
1: oh David Bowie Queen nice. um sorry I know you don't mean music but uh no no into, I do mean uh, <laughs> music like what like I, oh, I do okay. I, I mean oh, okay. like what what other artists are they into <laughs> in what other like, wow, genres he probably, probably means um all sorts of other genres everything um everything but but yeah also other things like skiing they like to yeah. ski and um uh, really just hanging out with their cousins which is great they like hanging out with their family whether it be here in new paltz upstate at this point or in california uh yeah. but uh, uh you know they love movies and yeah comedians the teens uh, They're yeah. pre-teens and teens yeah, I, I got like them tickets it. to see john mulaney at uh oh, nice. the king's t- at upac and uh, so so they like that anyway yeah yeah.
0: That's awesome. No, I was curious because you know, um, because of you know, with with your background of being in the jam scene, I didn't know like how into you know music that you play or that you're around. That you know, they're into if they're into this that kind of stuff, or if they're like you know, totally <laughs> go to the opposite way and just like pure pop music or like you know, rap. right? I, I mean, it is what it is. But it's just it was curious to know where their interest in music lies at this point, and how, right? You know influential you and your wife were on them or how you know what if they're bringing you new kinds of music and stuff like that
1: yeah it's it's kind of a gr- amazing give and take at this point like ruby will play me some song and i'm like oh i like this who is this and she's like it's tv girl dad you say that every time i'm like oh it's awesome you know and um now vice versa i'll be she'll be like who is this And i'm like this is el michael's affair like and i'm actually playing piano on this track she's like oh this is cool <laughs> And uh, you know, and then you know, Ilo will play me something. So it's cool. It's a give and take, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I I'm so open to all the music they play for us. And and quite honestly, I I I have yet to not like um, a lot of the stuff that Ruby sort of will throw at me. For the for the most part, I I like it all. You know. Um, yeah. There's some songs I like more than others, but yeah it's kind of cool so uh, you know uh, and i'll 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 hear a song that our kids like and i'll and i'll be like whoa it's like it's like really riffy it's like doo, 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 doo. it almost sounds like a zeppelin yeah. kind of song and i'm like well we, i mean cuz they know zeppelin and and i was like well have you ever heard like them crooked vultures it's like hmm. it's like and they, uh, they're like no and i was like well it's like was one guy from Zeppelin, but then this guy from Nirvana, you know, and like you know, just like trying yeah. to connect the dots between everything. They're like, "Whoa, cool!" And I'm like, "Oh, wait, wait, uh Ruby, throw this song on," you know. Yeah, I listen to it and be like, "Oh, right. Oh, that's cool," you know. So like, we have like interesting musical conversations at this point about like where stuff come from and all that stuff. So it's cool, you know.
0: Yeah. Do you take them to? You know, you mentioned John Mellance. Did you take them to any shows? Like, do like, I don't know. You know, where do you guys have to? Do you have to come down to the city, or you know, do? you Oh yeah, they
1: take I, absolutely. Whenever, whenever possible, I'll take them. So they've seen j Rad a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, at Red Rocks, at oh, wow. uh, you know, um, all oh my. Yeah. All sorts of venues. Uh, Leon Michaels, I'll play with L Michaels affair. They'll come to those gigs. Nice. Coachella. They came to the Coachella, um, um, where else? Yeah. All, Brooklyn shows, anything local. Uh, although they, they've also come to, um, all the way out, uh, you know, when J reds played, uh, Stanford, that's pretty cool. Nice. Um, and
0: it, so, and you know, Kind of in that same vein, I, when I was talking to Cody Dickinson a few months ago, um, he was discussing how, granted his kids are way younger, um, that but when he went on tour it was very hard for him to leave them at home. And was that the case when, you know, when, when they were younger or is that still the case? Like, do you kind of try to tailor your touring? Um, and your shows, or have you, you know, done that over the past, you know, over the course of your kids' lives, like kind of to make sure you're home more often than not, or is it kind of just like, if you gotta, if I, if I gotta go on the road for two weeks, I gotta go on the road for two weeks kind of deal.
1: Well, luckily I'm my own boss. Right. So when, and so when I had my first kid, Joe and I sort of discussed what we would sort of need to do to make all that work. And it was like, okay, all right, you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, you know, and, and it, it wasn't like me sort of, you know, calling the, the manager of some band I was working for and being like, Oh, what do I do? You know, it was, it was, so, we, you know, I was, we were, we were, you know, we were doing it ourselves so so it was mm-hmm. like hey I'm, I'm having a kiddo you know we got to figure it out but i don't think i should gig for like two months maybe <laughs> you know or three <laughs> yeah i don't know first kid like, i have no idea what's going on so so luckily you know we just did that you know you just figure it out you know you talk to your yeah. buddy about it and you figure out how to how to you know slow down the touring for a minute and get back on it um so yeah um, you know but all that being said like Yeah. It's definitely, uh, uh, an issue. Like you have to, you have to plan that. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's easy to plan when you have, you know, nine months to, to figure it out. Um, (laughs) and, or or more or, or I guess less, (laughs) but, um, so yeah, it, it, it was, you know, it's just like, it's, uh, it it was also, um, one of those things where you, you you know, that it's just a part of life. So you, Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a certain amount of of a bend that that you could you could make sure you, you figure out how to make it work so um so yeah, Joe and I we figured it out, but I remember um when when we first had uh Ruby that Joe really we were in the middle of um uh of like working on all this new music and he wanted to practice and, and record and uh all this stuff, and I was like you know, when you first have a kid, you don't sleep at all. So I was like, it's like, dude, what time do you want me to, and I remember like riding my bike to rehearsal in Brooklyn and just being like sleeping for like three hours and going to (laughs) rehearsal for like three or four hours and being like, what is happening? Like, it's so difficult to just maintain your normal life. (laughs) Um, when you have kids, uh, little, little ones. And, uh, and, and, I remember thinking how, how, how hard that was at at the moment, but you know, you still make it work and you, and you do it, but it's, it, it's a, it's a tough thing, especially the first two years, three years. Mm-hmm. It's really tricky. And I, and, um, but yeah, even on my own terms when I, with my own band, I would, I would limit, um, uh, our tours to, to 10 days. I'd be like, yeah. all right, look, let, let's get two weekends in there. Yeah. Which basically means about 10 days and then I'm, I got to come home because yeah, I got, I got the l- little one. So yeah. luckily, uh, it over the course of having the kiddos, uh, back then, um, I only have, you know, did like the longest I was gone was like 10 days or 11 days. Mm. And then I'd be home for, for at least a week or, or longer after that. But, you know, saying all of that, uh, um, i remember i did a 10-day tour i got home from tour and i said to isla i was like oh so good to be home it's like ah oh, so how did it how long did it feel like i was gone for she's like oh uh i don't know like um a year <laughs> and i was like oh like, something about that that really hit you know yeah. when you're a kid and ten days go by like it doesn't it's not ten a days long time. ten days for a kid is like a year, you know like when you tell a kid like don't worry, it's just one more year, they're like one more year, you know uh you know, so you know when you're gone for for uh, the majority of the of their youth, I was gone like hundred and fifty days of the of the year at least um so you know it'd be i i definitely it it it, i felt it i knew it i i it was hard for me for sure but it was there was no other version of it so i didn't it was like just kind of live with it play through you got it katie's a great wife my great wife uh, she's killing it she's got it (laughs) Holding yeah. it down, it's all good. But you, you do. You're like, oh, but I just want to like hang out with them, you know. So yeah, it is. It is a difficult. um It's a hard balance for sure. But luckily, yeah. like I said, when you first asked me the question, that I, I, I'm basically my own boss, or yeah. you know, me and one other dude or two other dudes are our own boss. You know, so we mm-hmm. we could figure it out. You know, versus me getting fired from sort of, you know, right uh from yeah. some sort of uh thing but yeah. uh anyway
0: obviously your parents were incredibly supportive of you. I'm just assuming based on the fact you went to Berkeley. Um, and you know, some parents might not be as supportive of of, of their kids. Um, you know, going, uh, for, you know, become a professional music, especially pursuing it that, that way. How influential were they in you getting into music and you starting, you know, playing, uh, music and did they play music at all?
1: Um, they didn't play music at all. My dad loved to sing. My mom, you know, loved to sing along, you know, in the kitchen to Motown mm-hmm. and and all sorts of good stuff. My dad, if I was playing piano, he'd, you know, come over and try to teach me this Italian song and sing with me. He was, <laughs> he was definitely not shy about getting in there and, you know, singing some, you know, teaching me some of the uh, Neapolitan sort of traditional italian music that he was raised on mm-hmm. and um you know so but they, they you know they weren't musicians they didn't know what a g, g or a no. or d or any or they didn't know how to uncle frank my dad's brother he played a little guitar he could kind of get he liked bob he, he loved bob dylan uh or loves still loves Bob Dylan uh you know he still plays guitar and but he he was like he would kind of try to jam with us a little um you know I I was there was music around but nobody really you know was a musician but it was they loved music you know like mm-hmm. I remember like the big chill was like the soundtrack yeah my mom yeah, like yeah. loved that and I was all I loved it too it Was like yes what is all this yeah <laughs> but like when I was really young and uh and my dad loved jazz. He was in the jazz, which I thought was like kind of annoying as a kid. <laughs> but I also like kind of like liked it. But I couldn't figure it out until after getting into music. And then I, when I heard it, I was like, oh, which I thought was interesting because my dad doesn't play music or anything. But he he really loves listening to jazz. And but I guess it doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. I guess I was you know, coming from a sort of school of music, I was, I was like, oh, wow, my dad's like pretty advanced. He likes jazz. <laughs> yeah. You know, but anyway, um, yeah, I, uh, I got, I got, I got into music just, just playing with bands through high school, uh, and getting into jazz and playing along with my, playing music with my dad a little bit and, you know, just playing around Wyckoff and like all the VF, like the sweet sixteens at the VFW Mm -hmm. halls and all this stuff. And like, uh, I don't know, learning, uh, fish was kind of like getting big in like the early nineties. So we were learning like fish tunes, grateful dead tunes. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, we were like just playing, um, you know, I don't know. Let's see what it was. Steppenwolf, Magic Carpet yeah. Ride. That oh, yeah, man. That was my, one of my first bands. That was,
0: uh, was one of the songs we, uh, even, we you know, learned. Easiest, know. One of the easiest yeah. songs to play. Totally.
1: Um, how old were you when you started playing piano? Um, I was, I guess, let's see. Yeah, I don't know. Six or seven? Um, and was it your idea to start
0: lessons, or did your parents just like, let's let's have them play?
1: There was uh, my parents. Let's see, I think, okay, when we, my parents, actually, I, I remember this, which was really weird. Uh, we were in, like, an antique store, and there was, like, this big, beautiful piano, and I, like, I remember, like, hitting a note or on it or whatever, and they, like, came over, and they were, like, oh, if we get this piano, would you play it? And I was, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, and it was, like, this big, actually, and I still have it here in Woodstock, this here this this piano right here right there um that and they got it and i and and ever since i just been sort of drawn to it you know and i it's awesome i played the piano and i got piano lessons when i was a kid and um i guess you know one of the and then transitioning into like what really got me into music or sort of focused on it without anybody asking me to be focused on it was, you know, I, my parents got me like this synthesizer and I put on headphones and I played this keyboard and I was like,
0: Oh, yeah, those oh, are fun.
1: <laughs> you know, actually now that I'm saying that I remember, uh, our kids having the same reaction to when I got this electronic drum set for them or no, actually they, they were playing it at our friend's house and, and they were like, you can't hear what I'm playing? And I was like, <laughs> no. Nope. And they're like, whoa, this is amazing. So I just, I got into all these different sounds on the keyboard and I got a four track recorder and like a, a drum machine. And there was something about all of that that really s- sparked my interest with, with recording and with sounds and synths and drum machines and all sorts of stuff like that but yeah. you know definitely all started on the piano and which is i i must say which is i i'm still just drawn to playing piano with no synths or drum machines or anything just just playing piano because I, I i do do love that basically it's probably me- the most
0: <laughs> yeah I, I i sometimes i wish i never stopped taking lessons when i was younger but i focused more on the drums you know when i hit high school and i was just like that that was that was i was drawn to that more so but as in you know now that i'm 40 i'm like i wish i kept up piano because it's such it really is an amazing instrument of like what you can do and just how much you know you're your own orchestra essentially and you know how much of everything can come from it in a song and i'm always drawn to keyboard players piano players um and just what they can do and what they add to songs and everything like that yeah um but you know to go back to You know, you were mentioning the dead fish you were growing up. Your your formative years really were the late 80s, early 90s, you know, um, you know, mid 90s that kind of that was there was a lot of great music going on with between grunge and then kind of like, you know, the resurgence of the dead coming back and you know the jam scene kind of really was 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 coming alive at that point i guess were you real knee deep in, into that kind of stuff or was it something that kind of hit you later on
1: no i definitely uh grown up, i mean let's see 90 what i don't know 91 let's see when did i go to college i left jersey in like 95 or 94 95 so yeah, 91 to 95 in high school was like, yeah, for sure. Very much like, uh, I, I saw the dead twice at giant stadium, um, and fish a couple times. Um, I saw all sorts of bands and yeah, that was, uh, that was definitely a great time. I was very much into like, what is, you know, as a musician, you know, figuring out the cross between rock and funk and jazz and that just became this whole sort of jammy scene thing, you know, uh like Modesky Martin and Wood really yeah, blew man. me away around that time. The meters, I discovered the meters mm-hmm. around then. And uh like Miles Davis, Bitches Brew and yeah. all this sort of like this all the
0: fusion stuff that was. Yeah, it out was of like
1: it, it was fusion, but not like not like note-y, almost nerdy fusion like when when you think of fusion it was like it was like confusion like it was like it was like just, it was like Jimi hendrix meets mm-hmm. all the cool stuff i liked as well and i learned about uh larry young mm-hmm. and uh, tony williams and john mclaughlin and 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 like was like whoa my whole you know so it was a quick it was a quick shift of from learning about uh, you know, being in a Sweet Sixteen band that played covers, like Doors covers, mm-hmm. Fish covers, and Grateful Dead covers, and, and whatever, Pop covers, Steppenwolf, all this stuff, covers, to like, you know, n- sort of jamming around a little, you know, t- t- to this sort of jam scene, to like, now it's like exploded into just jazz and all sorts of other stuff. But anyway, uh, yeah. No, I mean, crazy. like,
0: I mean, when I I was gifted for my bar mitzvah the Mahavishnu's uh, orchestra's intermounting flame, and it just broke my brain open. And then later on, when I went, like, you know, uh, MMW was a huge uh, influence on me. Um, but like going back to like the early Herbie Hancock, like experimental, like those Warner Brothers albums that he did before Headhunters, was like that that kind of stuff is amazing and oh yeah it, 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 Absolutely. The, uh, with the, you know the experimenting that he was doing while still having some sort of groove and it was just it's
1: amazing yeah yeah totally yeah so my uh my musical mind was definitely opened up uh right around that time like 95 mm-hmm. um like you just said so you know i i definitely was in all obviously in all of that when i was you know 18 to 21 which is like when your brain just is i don't even god i'd love to look at the map of 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 the human my own personal human brain from zero to now and just see 18 to 21 because what a crazy time to be just analyzed by teachers to be judged by peers to be looked at awkwardly by adults you know like you're just you. You feel very confident, but also like a total idiot at the same time. And mm-hmm. and but you're supposed to be learning how to be like a professional musician that can you know sell tickets and write songs and tour. And you know it's it's so intense. And then you're 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 doing hundred fifty dollar gigs to just <laughs> like pay for the stuff that you want to do. And you're only quest and searches to be a better musician but how do you get paid to do that for your entire life you know like it's it, it's so it, it's so interesting you know when you're when you're that young trying to figure it out as you know now i'm, I'm 46 you know like from from 26 to 46 like like let alone the uh, 18 to 26 part yeah. of it all but the you know the you know it takes takes a long time for for stuff to come together and i even um i came across this old tape that i had recorded from a a lesson i got with kenny werner an amazing piano teacher amazing piano player um and he was like oh man don't worry you got it in 10 years you'll have it (laughs) and i was like and this is okay so this is you know uh 22 22 year old me mm-hmm. or 21 or somewhere around there hearing that
0: 10 years will have it and i was like
1: i thought to myself now i'm 46 I'm like wow cool 31 like yeah. that's pretty great you know yeah. but then i was like what do you mean i can't wait 10 years you know like yeah i don't have 10 years but you know things things come in these waves, you know, music comes in these gigantic waves. If you're, if you're down to, if you're down to actually really, really get into it and if you can yeah. um, do it, but anyway, it's, it's yeah. funny to, to hear that. I, I remember like listening to my response and when I heard the tape, I was like, well, that's pretty cool. He said that that's actually great. But when you heard me be like, Oh,
0: <laughs> right it's like it's a like, it's like a you know knife to
1: your heart yeah i was like, like oh <laughs> I was like, well, okay well i guess you know I guess, you know that's the thing it's like music it you can learn it once but can you play it forever <laughs> you know like it, it there's so many or can you remember it and play it forever you know like there's it's so many. It, it, it's it, evolving constantly yeah, it, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's such I mean, an interesting it's such a crazy uh job to have you know, yeah. <laughs> I don't, anyway. yeah,
0: and you know, you went to Berkeley. Obviously, um, you know, we're doing music constantly, and, and Boston is a very, you know, uh, it's a great music town. Um, and I had a lot of friends who went up there and then stayed up there. So, w- what drew you back to the New York City area after you graduated?
1: <clears throat> I kind of always knew I was going to come back, just mm-hmm. because my parents lived down here and because. Yeah where i grew up and i knew new york city was like kind of the place where you want to be mm-hmm. um and then to top it all off one of my teachers was like you know boston is the bullpen <laughs> <laughs> new york city is like you know yeah. we're gonna go play so yeah and and and, uh, and i and i it makes like i I knew that even just as an East, you know, Jersey, New Jersey, you know, New Jerseyite or whatever, uh, being from down here, I knew that I always wanted to do that. You know, Boston was like the go here and learn like, you know, like, like train sort of like really practice and, and get into your thing and, uh, and then come back. So, yeah, I always knew I wanted to come back. I I didn't have any uh, cousins or aunts or uncles or family up yeah. in Boston. Maybe if there was like some sort of tie up there, I I I would have I could have stayed. And I because I did love it up there. It was really fun, mm-hmm. quite honestly. Uh, definitely a whole another world compared to down here. But you know, it is really be- really beautiful. And like going up to New Hampshire is beautiful. Uh, Portsmouth yeah. is amazing and. Um, Burlington yeah like it is nice up there you know I know Boston gets a bad rap but I did I did uh, really have a great time there
0: And was Joe uh, Russo? Was he? Did he go to Berkeley with you, or were, did you guys reconnect when you moved back after college?
1: Yeah, we just reconnected after college. And uh, oddly enough, it's funny. I like, I was going to see a show at Tonic, and I was waiting online And I was like, oh man, I like. I was with all my friends, and I was like, guys, I gotta like. I'm sorry, man. I we drank a bunch of Heinekens before getting here. <laughs> I got I gotta like go to the bar the street, I gotta go like pee. Yeah. I'll meet you guys back, you know. Go across the street, run into the bar, incredible music is playing, and it happens to be like Joe Russo <laughs> and like a bunch of my friends from Berkeley. And I was like, Oh my God, what the you know, and we ran into each other randomly at a bar in like two thousand and one across the street from Tonic. And I was like, I didn't know you were in New York now. Holy, you know, let's let's yeah. hook up, let's link up. And we, you know, we we did a bunch of gigs at this Moroccan place called Tajine uh, and like improvised music. And then we did Knitting Factory for a while. And then oh, nice. we started touring and, you know. Yeah. yeah that and when, when that
0: started, I mean, was that just like kind of, you know, did you purposely go in as a duo or was it just like you just decided to, Jam one, you know, just get together and jam, and then it kind of just organically happened. Did you? I mean, did you have plans to? No the you
1: know? the this this is it. I'll tell you, it was it was money. You know, the guy who booked the place was like, it's a hundred bucks every Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday.
0: Oh, at the Moroccan place you're saying. It was, no, you say? No, 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 at the Knitting no. Factory. The oh, Knitting Factory, okay. Um,
1: the guy who booked it was Joe's was our friend Jake, and he was like, it's a hundred bucks. Uh, for, for the, for the night, like you, mm-hmm. you bring who you want to bring. Joe was like, well, if Marco brings his organ down, then we got like the bass covered and the organ. So it'll fill sound more like filled yeah. in, you know, but we'll all, we'll both make 50 bucks. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, so it started just basically at a, like, you know, the offers a hundred bucks and Joe was like, well, if one other person comes yeah fifty yeah, bucks each. Uh, so it was just basically like uh you know being 22 or 23 and living in in new york city and being like uh yeah i need to make 50 bucks tonight <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah. uh it happened like that and we reconnected we started you know playing a little and and rehearsing some during the day and kind of getting into this whole duo thing and some nights we just wouldn't even play any songs we just sort of improv but uh you know it was kind of cool to uh to to just see how that unfolded right gradually Mm -hmm. it was like oh wow like this is really fun like i fucking i love joe playing with him he's such a monster he's been touring with fat mama for years and i've just been like music schooling out for a while like i want to like i want to jam i want to tour i want to Mm-hmm. Let's let's do this, you know. We like yeah. got in the Subaru and toured around, and went and played High Sierra Music Festival out in California, and played all sorts of gigs, and you know, it's just like crazy, you know. Got crazy yeah. from there.
0: Yeah, I, I wasn't sure. Like, is you know, uh, do you play like with the bass stuff? Do you play with the, your left hand, or is it do you do feet on the Hammond and stuff like that, or both? Uh, I can do. I nice. can do.
1: I can do foot bass. I learned how to do that uh basically out of necessity like playing with joe it was like Mm -hmm. all right let's bring the foot pedals out let's like try to expand the rig you know first it was like just the organ Mm -hmm. then it was like let's bring the the whirly let's bring the bass rig we'll bring the foot pedals (laughs) let's bring this arp you know i had this other keyboard then it was like let's bring this you know circuit bent you know casio and all these crazy things and and joe had this pad that he would trigger all these different samples on and you know the duo grew into this like this experimental knitting factory duo grew into this like sort of songwriting mm-hmm. uh duo that didn't have enough musicians to play all the parts <laughs> so so i was playing foot bass lines, you know and then like sort of lead stuff with my right hand on the worlitzer and then sort of comping stuff on the organ and joe was playing alternate melodies on the <laughs> drum pad and, and then wh- crazy drum beats on the drums like insane stuff you yeah. just couldn't even imagine anybody being able to pull off and uh yeah no yeah, that's crazy it was a uh, you know and then that sort of disintegrated and evolved into all sorts of other things you know mm-hmm. um joe joined uh further with phil Lesch and um all uh and then i j- started my own band and started touring and uh and then further sort of start ended and my band sort of toured a little less and and j-rad started and now we're playing uh, our own versions of the dead yeah i mean it's just it's incredible how the how it all how how it's all yeah. worked out so yeah no
0: and you know when you were talking about that and i mean you know it's the person that comes to mind obviously who's probably a big influence with just i just think about john medesky like with the his like pot of of uh, keyboards just moving around and stuff and just i i admire you guys who do that because to know what tone you want to use and what keyboard you want to use when and how you know to even in, in an improvisational setting is is to me amazing because it's like it's one thing when you're playing on one instrument and you know the notes but then you're adding now in you know several instruments with different tones that can change and you know the uh, the sonic elements that you can add you're almost like you know just really going crazy and to know to to, to know what sound you want when in the moment is just amazing i, I, I you know I applaud you guys
1: <laughs> right on well you know thank you i mean uh it uh it just over time you just you you, you figure out exactly what it is you, you want it to have the certain sound sound like at the certain right time and you need to dial that in. And, then, and and as soon as it doesn't work, you're like, that was a bummer that that sound didn't come in when we <laughs> wanted it to. And all I needed was the distortion to be like, whoosh, you know, and it didn't yeah. work. Yeah. So it's like, it's a little, it's a little, you know, details, you know, really the, the, the meticulous part of figuring out all the parts that, uh yeah, I don't know. You always you're striving to just get it better every gig, you know, with it, with and then you're adding a sound guy, then you're adding a lighting guy, then mm-hmm. you're adding uh, you know, a manager and a tour manager and you're adding all these people that are working for you now and it just becomes this whole um you know, this whole thing which is which is great. I mean, everybody gets involved in it and if they're supporting you, you feel uh, you know, great as a musician, as an artist like, you know getting all that support from your friends and from management and just from, from, from festivals that want you to come play. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just been a long, long natural growth of, of figuring out how to be a musician and a dad at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: am curious because, you know, with your
1: solo work,
0: your several albums, instrumentals, instrumentals, and then 2014, you release Swift, which has, you know, vocals, um, what led you to make that switch from doing you know purely instrumentals to writing lyrics and 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 you know singing your songs
1: man i'll tell you and i remember the the point exactly i i rec- I, I don't know if you've listened to tiger face the record before swift but there's two songs that have vocals on it and it's uh, with cal from um yeah. Rub- Rubble bucket singing and great band by the way. Great band, oh, by the way, exactly. Um and I had these two songs that seemed to me like they needed vocals. Uh Last Minute, I got Cal to come up and sing and, and even write words. And I heard it and I was like, Whoa. I've never heard my music with somebody singing, you know, never heard my music with a uh a, a vocalist. Mm-hmm singing the melody line. And then it was like, and then we did another one and I was, I was like, Oh man, I got to do that again. I was really hooked on it. I really loved the way it sounded granted. Of course, Cal had a lot to do with it. And, um, so, so come the next record Swift, like you mentioned in in 2014, I was like, okay, I have all these songs. I'm going to call Cal. I'll just have her sing on all the songs Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's it. Because I have, like, me singing them, but, you know, that's just me singing them. I should have someone else do it. And, uh, and I just, like, remember thinking, like, you know, dude, you can't take her on tour with you. And you could probably, if you buckled, if you, like, figure it out, like, you could probably sing it yourself so i uh i was just like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna just do it myself so but after being inspired by uh cal and the way she sang the melodies to some of my songs i was just like man you know maybe my music is lending itself more to vocals also i i it's not like i never sung before i i i sung in like high school and i've been singing all my life but never i just got way into jazz and i just don't you know i haven't got i haven't done much of that or i haven't i hadn't done much of that during that time so um so it seemed a little unfamiliar but at the same time i was like but wait man i i can do it i think if i just like you know uh do a little practice dial it in just practice singing a little i I think i can do it so i i just decided to do it myself and I thought it came out pretty good. I think Swift sounds great. Uh uh you know, I and luckily I made we made it with Richard. I I'm glad we got that time to do it together. And also I'm glad that I I uh I decided to do it myself instead of having, you know, Cal mm-hmm. do it. I just because it was like I can't just like ask Cal if she wants to go on tour with us every time we want a right. tour like I should just do it. Oh, it was like a bit like, I don't want to do it. I want someone else <laughs> to do it kind of feeling. And like, I don't do it. I just play piano and do all the like electronic stuff. And then I don't want to sing. And then, so then I opened up the can of worms for singing at live uh, right around that time. So basically, you know, I don't know, was that 13 years ago? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's gotten... I, I feel a lot more comfortable doing it and um and uh I uh wait, no, not thirteen years ago. Ten years ago. Ten yeah. years ago. Sorry. Okay. Um but uh, you know, yeah. I i I I had to do it, I feel like, you know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was a
0: and, you know, you you run your own record label which has some uh, you know, maybe not some super well known groups but some monster you know bands on there and, you know, Ro- Royal Potato Family. Um, what pushed you to start the record label and how active are you in the day-to-day of, of that, um, you know, endeavor?
1: Well, what started the whole record label thing was um, uh, my manager at the time, we were trying to figure out um, how to put out our third record. Um which was which is between uh between the needles and nightfall. And right around that time, um uh do you know the record label Verve? Yep. So this like kind of incredible jazz label Verve, mm-hmm. they were interested in in all this new music we were uh playing. And right around that time we got a gig opening up for Jamie Cullum, an incredible oh, nice. piano player and singer. Yeah. At Carnegie Hall, it was like oh. it was like a dream gig at like the most perfect time. Like my my trio was like writing music and getting some recognition, and then we got this gig at Carnegie Hall, and it was amazing. And Verve, they were there at this gig, and they then the next day they immediately were like, "Oh yeah, come on down. You, you want some CDs? Like take all the come check check all this out." And I was like, "Oh Verve, like yeah. And like my manager at the time was like, "Oh man, I think Verve was gonna put out this, you know, your probably your next record be- well between the needles. We didn't ha- know the name of it at that point, but you know, the record was pretty much done, and and they were re- really interested in the record, and I, I I couldn't believe it. I was like super excited, and and then you know all of a sudden it was it was like radio silence. Hmm. You know, like we it was, you know, we were like, well, we have this tour booked. We had like a bunch of tours booked because we were like, this record is coming out. Like we got mm-hmm. this new music. People want to hear it. And like, let's do this. And, uh, I remember just, uh, my manager was like, dude, verve or no verve. Like we have to put this record out. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: let's do this. You know, like we're just going to put it out on our own. Like, we who cares, you know, and uh, we just decided to 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 start the the record label, you know, without them or just just thinking like, you know, at that time, you know, I feel like Tower Records were like going down, like the whole mm-hmm. the whole scene the whole industry was, just, was like, exploding. yeah, it, was, it was like record labels were like, I was like, oh, you could do it on your own, kind of, because record labels don't really. I don't know it wasn't there wasn't much of a lure you know for mm-hmm. they didn't have much money record labels didn't have as much money i guess back then so so we just did it ourselves and started royal potato family and um you know but basically uh, i'm a touring musician and i'm doing what i'm doing and my involvement in the label is pretty minimal i i i Uh, Kevin basically runs that whole label and, and finds cool artists. We both Mm -hmm. like sort of high five about how great they are, (laughs) but I'm, I'm like such a, I'm like recording and, and touring and, uh, there's not much I can do. You know, I'm not just kind of like, Oh, and another idea for the label. Like I'm, I, Uh, yeah, I just you know, know if
0: you like, you know, if you found like artists or, you know, you were
1: like, yeah, I you thought know. I I kind of thought that was gonna be the thing, but I was like, dude, what am I doing? I have like two kids, a wife, <laughs> a house, a studio, a van, a trailer, uh, goats, peacocks, yeah. chickens. Oh, Wow! I got I got all sorts of stuff. what am I doing over here? I can't like. Uh, but you know, at the same, you know, I can't like scout for like new talent for the label. But you know, yeah. like uh, Kevin's always you know he's on that. So
0: nice, and kind of speaking, you know. The, of, of of that kind of like you know being in charge of you know such a massive undertaking um you run a music festival uh called follow the arrow i think uh, last year was the second year you've done it i assume there's going to be a third is, is it going to happen again uh this coming so yeah
1: yeah we're yeah. actually figuring it out right now as we speak today i had a long talk with um you know the promoter so nice so
0: how you know did that whole thing start um, obviously it's, it is your, your, your hands, you know, you're very hands on on it. Like, how does, you know, that work for you in terms of your schedule and, you know um, you know, how much time does it take up in your life? But like, you know, really like, how do you start your own festival in a world where there is a bajillion festivals really?
1: Right. I know I thought about that the other day. I was like, why am I even doing this? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> it's because, you know, just uh, drew a, a friend of ours who worked at uh Levon's, uh barn has a connection with arrowwood farms it's amazing brewery this like Mm -hmm. beautiful farm down uh, up here in uh in upstate new york you know it's like capacity holds like a thousand people tops it's like kind of a small but even though that's a a lot but it's a smallish outdoor area for a festival and he drew was like why don't you do uh you know a little family a little bit a vento curated festival day maybe you know maybe it'll take 4 or 5 years for it to or or who who knows how long for it to get going mm-hmm. but uh why don't, why don't we try to get like a, a thing going upstate where you curate a day of music and i was like well hey if you're asking i'm down you know <laughs> i mean i again, like you said, like I do have a lot on the, on my plate. So why I, I did not, it, it was not my idea, uh, I guess just to <laughs> say um, it was someone else's idea. And I realized it was a great idea. And for the last two years, it's been so much fun. Like uh, we figured out that the Benevento family band exists, uh, you know, the cousins and relatives, we all got together and we like learned some music and we, we got this Benevento family van together. We got, um, the bar brothers have played rubble buckets played. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, anti has played L uh, really? yeah, awesome. L Michaels yeah. affair. Leon has spun records. Uh, I saw Dwayne Betts, Did Dwayne Betts play Dwayne Betts what? came, was a, was a guest, uh, nice. this last year. So let's, you know, here we are in our third year. Um, and it's it's all it you know it's like it's a perfect uh venue uh about 30 minutes from my house mm-hmm. um and and the uh the promoter kind of has different festivals there every weekend there's there's or not every weekend but most weekends this summer mm-hmm. there's a festival called Woods's Festival where where the band Woods plays and uh there's been lots like kevin morby was a guest there uh playing and uh the felice brothers have a have a a weekend there and uh uh, amy home does like a thing there and so it's just like kind of like a great upstate uh venue and to be able to curate a day of music like me curating a day of music like Mm -hmm. it's kind of exciting it's kind of cool to be like okay which one of my friends like want to come down to this farm and like just play the instruments that are on stage (laughs) for Mm -hmm. the day you know it's it's super loose so uh yeah yeah, it's really fun uh you know we'll see what it evolves to but it's like this will be our third year doing it and so far it's been awesome like I think uh, six to eight hundred people sort of have showed up over the last couple oh, wow. of years, which is great. So it's not yeah. it's not tiny. You know, it's no. it feels good. Like when you're when you're rocking there, at yeah. night, it feels like a good a good festy.
0: at the end of every episode um i like to ask my guests what they've been listening to like three artists three songs that they have been digging lately so um what have you been listening to
1: lately um brain story <laughs> i i was just going to i was going to look at my phone but i even knew before answering brain story is uh it's a great band that my buddy's been producing, uh, Leon Michaels, uh, over the last six or seven years plus. They're mm-hmm. awesome. There's uh, the song is called, mate. Um, what is this jam that really gets me? Oh wait, wait, wait here it is. Oh, yeah, is this it? Oh yeah, this is it. Called Breathe. Nice. That's a good jam. Uh and then also this guy, uh Robert Lester Folsom. Hmm. Check this jam out. Wait, let's see, where is this one? This is a good one. Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm just looking at his spotify it looks like he's he's old, from the 60s or yeah
1: that song is called written in your hair yeah brain is more new i i know Brainstory. i know those guys we we actually we played some gigs over the last year together and they're amazing dudes which is probably why i like them even more because they're yeah they're the coolest um but uh but yeah um you know and i you know you can't go wrong with any new orleans piano player like James Booker is one of my favorite. Oh yes, uh, or Doctor John, or uh, yeah, you know, I love listening to that stuff. So.
0: orleans music is that that's one of the styles i was very fortunate my father played for us when we were younger he had a, a mardi gras like party soundtrack that was just and then he got a bunch of professor long hair oh yeah know, cds and stuff and so that's been ingrained in me for, yeah. for a long time and it's just you can't i don't know how people can not like that that kind well of stuff. yeah it's just
1: that's why we instantly get along <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, Marco, thank you so much for taking the time to coming on to Dad Rocks. It has been a total pleasure to talk to you um, and, uh, you know, really appreciate you coming on.
1: Right on, man. Have a good night. Thank you.
0: Thanks again for listening to this episode and special thanks to Marco Benevento for coming on to the show. To get more information about Marco, including upcoming live performances and information about his upcoming album, you can go to marcobenevento.com. You can find all of his music, whether solo with Benevento Russo Duo or with Joe Russo's Almost Dead, and those are live albums, on all major streaming platforms. If you want to follow Marco on social media, he's on Instagram and TikTok at marcobenevento 22 So that's M-A-R-C-O-B-E-N-E-V-E-N-T-O-2-2 and on X at Marco Benevento. You can also find his page on Facebook if you wish to follow him on there. If you enjoyed what you heard today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show if you haven't already. and would really appreciate it if you left an honest review on whatever service or app you listen to the show on. Uh, it helps with the algorithms, gets the word out. Or, you know, just tell a friend about the show. It would really be helpful. That would be great. You know, word of mouth, that kind of stuff helps grow the podcast. Love for that to happen. And if you have already, thank you so much. Uh, if you'd like to follow the show on social media, uh, we are on Instagram, threads, X, all that stuff at dadrockspod. Uh, we are also on Facebook. Just search up Dad Rocks Podcast. If you have any questions, comments or any show ideas or you just want to say hi, please uh, email the show at dadrockspod at gmail.com. And uh, if you want to check out the music that you heard on this episode in full, there will be a link to a playlist, a Spotify playlist uh, in the podcast description. So go check that out. Once again, thank you for listening today. And remember, dads, you rock.